Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Living large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And our producer, William Jeffries. And the intern, Sophie Kreutz. And today, we'll be talking about progressive performance for your application. Yeah, I think a lot of times when people think about web performance in their application, they think that everything has to be fast. But I recently learned about this concept of like progressive web performance from a colleague while we're working on improving the page load times of an application. And it's like, wait, not everything has to be fast. You just have to do the right things first and do everything else later. It's not just, you know, having really tiny images and then just showing it to the user because that's the fastest way to get to the I mean, the that's, that's like super important. But, you know, if you have to choose between like sending 100 images that the user is not going to see because they're not going to scroll past the initial like top of the page that they're going to see and sending like one really big image that they are going to see, then send the big image. Right. I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, suppose you have a website in, I don't know, 2008 where carousels was a really big thing. Oh, it's still a big <laughs> thing. 2021, <laughs> you're the carousel. <laughs> so if you have 30 images in the carousel, the idea is not to load all 30 if you're loading, you know, three and then you slowly slide, right? Like that's the idea we're getting at. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So we'll talk about why this is important and how do you actually do it? Let's talk about why. So why should we care about web performance at the end of the day? Yeah, I don't know. I just I just want more features, really. Like I don't really care about web performance. Uh, <laughs> we just need more we need more buttons and carousels on the web page. More carousels. Yeah, exactly. What about that end user though? How do they feel about all these buttons and carousels? I would think they want it, right? <laughs> they got to use the website and the website has more buttons. Who wouldn't want to use this website, Sophie? What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly could be intriguing, but <laughs> we have to think about user engagement. And I think folks are probably going to abandon the website if, for instance, the loading time is too slow. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. If it takes like 45 seconds to load my page with 20 carousels on it and the user only looks at yeah. the first carousel, then I guess I will have failed in some way. <laughs> it seems like performance is one of those things that users don't really ask for until it's really desperately needed. Like, I think a lot of people are used to the internet being slow a lot of the time, and there's a pretty high tolerance for bad performance. So users will tell you, oh, what I really want is, I don't know, some weird syncing thing that actually, for some reason, no other users want. And you end up chasing down all these weird feature requests and trying to figure out how they tie in together when the thing that would actually increase sales the most would just be making the products load 100 milliseconds faster. Like there was a study, an often cited study from Amazon, where they found that every 100 milliseconds of latency cost them 1% in revenue, which is a huge number when you're talking about Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think like that's one of the challenging things about web performance too, because like I was having a conversation with someone where you know, there was a change that had to get reverted 
And they're like, oh, well, this change was causing a problem for people. We had to revert it, but it's fine because it was only a small performance gain of 500 milliseconds. And it's like, wait, 500 milliseconds. Like that's, that's huge. That's half a second. But like, you know, in the time of my life, 500 milliseconds is not that much, but in the time of like the user's attention in, in the age of the internet, it is, it's a huge hit on user engagement and sales. So why do you think in that moment that wasn't prioritized? Did you need to get more buy-in from stakeholders or project managers about how important these performance metrics are? Well, I think at that time, like there was an immediate issue that we had to address because there was like some de- degradation of functionality. So like we did have to go back to the drawing board and like rework it a little bit. But in the end, when we put it back in place, like I think there's like a shift in perspective it has to be there when you're kind of chipping away at like a performance mountain where, you know, 300 milliseconds is massive and 100 milliseconds that's pretty good too i think i don't know if we mentioned this but what is the expected time that a web page should load is there like a magic number that gets used there's really good documentation out there or like really good articles written about the web and web performance by mdn and google and mdn they cite studies that show that there's a general expectation that a website is going to load in two seconds or less. And people are going to start fleeing from your web page at three seconds. Like you mm. may have like more sticky users who are like, yes, I'm just going to wait, you know, 45 seconds for this. Or they may not have a choice also. Like if you're using some kind of internal software and. <laughs> The user has to go through it. Like, you know, if the internet takes 45 seconds to load, then mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll just like think about stick around, stick around think about something. Go make coffee. Mm-hmm. Have a sore fight with your coworker. <laughs> right, exactly. The other thing is it's much more complicated to measure how long a web page loads than it is to measure how long a request takes, right? Like if you're yeah. designing an API, it's very easy to say, how long does my API, this particular endpoint on my API take to respond? Because there's just one thing that happens. But on a web page, it's like, are we talking about time to first bite? Are we talking about time to first paint? Are we talking about the time until the last paint? And if it's a you know a site that has something moving on it, how do you even know when the last paint happens? A lot of these React apps have so many little fun widgets. It's kind of hard to know, is the page done? Right. The page is never done. <laughs> it's, it's a work of art. Never. It just keeps loading forever. But yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Like backend performance, like you have this really tightly bound system that you can kind of consider if you're trying to optimize an endpoint or like a step in a, you know, transaction. Like if you have like a queue processing a number of requests per second, like you can really get like a microscope on that. But then like, you know, front end developers for sometimes being like maligned for, you know, working on something that's a little bit more squishy than back end. Like the performance problem really is so much more exploded because there are so many components that are coming in, like you're loading the index and then getting all the resources from the index, all your JavaScript bundles, all the, 
images, all the external dependencies, and they're all coming in at different times and like on different computers and different internet connections. So there's like so many things out there. Like web performance is not like absolute. You have to like consider what it actually is in the wild. But there are really good tools that, that can help you measure that. Yeah. What are some of your favorite tools for performance? Like going back to the metrics that you were talking about, like I think a really great tool for like learning about the metrics and also like seeing how really how many of these small rules you might be breaking for performance is just to run PageSpeed Insights or Lighthouse. Like PageSpeed Insights is just like a hosted version of Lighthouse. It's a little easier just to like go there and start it up, but Lighthouse you can run it in your dev tools. And it's great because like it'll give you an absolute number, which is like a little little fuzzy. It's just like this is your score. So I ran it on Stride's web page and we got some work to do. We got oh. a twenty-three <laughs> out of a hundred. <laughs> okay. Brutal. Yeah, and then it tells you like the different metrics that what you were talking about, William. Like first contentful paint. That's a big one. We got a red flag on that. But we're good on the layout shift. So our layout is static. It doesn't change. But it takes a long time to load. One tool I like for React apps in particular, if you're trying to implement progressive rendering, is the React DevTools, which has a mode for highlighting components that are actively rendering. Oh, if you cool. do that, you can see like on the page where things are rendering when. So if you want to optimize how fast the site takes to load or like a particular component on the site is taking to load, you can load the page or navigate to wherever that particular widget lives and then watch and see all the other things that are happening first and see, is this happening? Are things being rendered in the right order? Especially if it's very slow. That's part of the React DevTools package? Yeah. And then Chrome DevTools, just in general, has a whole bunch of performance tools and they're not that intuitive to be honest so i like i highly recommend doing a training course if people are on teams working on websites that need performance optimization i think it's just super worth it to tell people spend a couple of days doing trainings on performance optimization tooling so that you are properly equipped to solve these problems because like if you don't have a tool for benchmarking it becomes very difficult to quantify, you know, how much faster things are getting because individual measurements that you take on your machine are, are not going to be very reliable. There's just too much noise involved. And it becomes yeah. very frustrating because you can't really tell if what you're doing is working. There's a great article related to PageSpeed Insights and Lighthouse talking about all of the variability that is present in like these numbers that they're presenting to you like and like you can mitigate variation in speed of downloading by simulating the speed like introducing a throttling or like hosting the page speed insight in a lab rather than like running it on your machine to produce any like obstruction on your local network or your local cpu Another thing you can do that makes things feel faster without actually being faster is just have stuff move around on the page really fast. This is kind of a silly thing. <laughs> but, you know, humans, we're pretty dumb. And it turns out that you can have something load in 
500 milliseconds and have it feel slow, or you can have something load in one second, but add a loader bar that's very wide. And so the loader moves really fast because, Ooh. you know, to move a very large distance over one second makes it look fast. And people will report that the second experience, which takes twice as long as being subjectively seeming faster. Mm. More shiny. Amazing. And then you shoot confetti out when it, it's fully loaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It me. I'm dumb human. I would definitely <laughs> take a loader bar over waiting patiently for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes back to the, the principle of like progressive web performance where it's like getting something in front of the user is like so much better than nothing or something that's like completely unusable. So even if that thing is a loader bar that looks beautiful and does backflips or whatever to entertain them while you're, they're waiting. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's much better than blank screen. The other thing is when you do those, so like Google is notorious for these really clever, interesting animations that obey all the laws of physics and are really fascinating to watch. Those only work if they're smooth. So as soon as you introduce any kind of jank, then people hate them. <laughs> it's like minimizing jank is, I think, often more important than reducing load times. Like if, if you are just scrolling up and down the page and it's sort of janky as you scroll, that's going to feel worse than mm -hmm. if you like scroll to the bottom and the like infinity scroll takes a second to add more content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like the interaction has to be smooth. Like there's like a static page load, but then the dynamic page interactions are, are kind of like a, a different beast entirely where you're, you're kind of like in a different zone of like cognitive psychology. <laughs> it's not just like wait, like dealing with people's attention and they're waiting. Like it's, it's their perception of subtle motions and all that. Yeah. I read somewhere that the supposed ideal is that your interaction with a website should happen at the speed of thought, right? So, for example, as soon as you think about clicking on something, it reacts. As soon as you think about scrolling to a certain part of the page, there is no additional mental overhead to doing that other than thinking that thought and then taking that action. Mm. Yeah, maybe if you want like the really big brain users like that think really fast, you got to have the good performance. Like otherwise you'll just be stuck with all like the slow brained <laughs> people who are like taking the 30 seconds brain, to think yeah. of the web page. <laughs> I do have a question, William. You did mention earlier for dev teams to, you know, take the time to learn the tools. And I think I realize I have not done that. I think I've only learned through just right-clicking and running insights a million times and learning things slowly but surely. Are there resources that you know exist to learn about the tool, not just the tool itself that you're familiar with? Yeah, absolutely. There are really good courses on Udemy and Coursera, and Google has some free courses that are quite good on how to use the Chrome developer tools for performance optimization. And just having somebody like sit down and explain, or like in a video, explain what a flame chart is and how to read it mm -hmm. and how to navigate through a flame chart and drill down and then match that to your actual code is 
super valuable and definitely not something I would have ever figured out just by, you know, like right clicking on stuff. I was on a project where the manager very insightfully realized that it would deliver massive returns on investment if he just told everybody to spend a day doing Mm -hmm. trainings on these tools. And then one of the people on the team ended up leading a workshop on how to use the tools. It was super effective. How did the project manager feel about that? The person who wants all those buttons up on the screen and, you know, those features need to be rolled out. And you're like, wait a second, we got to do some more Mm -hmm. training. Training for what? You can (laughs) make components. Why do you need to do that? (laughs) Was there any pushback? There wasn't. We were lucky. We had a really good product manager who was, you know, not micromanaging at all. And also, I think there was a general understanding amongst the stakeholders that performance was both a problem and a worthy use of time to try and fix. And I think in general on that team, there was a culture of learning, so it was fine. But That's awesome. If you find that perhaps you don't have that kind of insightfulness in your particular team or environment, we've already talked about a couple of reasons why performance is important, cited some studies, but is there anything else you can do, do you think, to get buy-in? So one thing that I like to do is to just do the needful. (laughs) Like if what is needed is for you to do a training course, then just be like, oh, as part of delivering this story, I had to do a training course on this tool. And I'm not even going to tell anybody about it. I'm just going to do it because they don't need to know the implementation details, right? That's my job. I'm the one who Mm -hmm. figures out how to make it work. They just decide whether it works the way they want it or not. And I think also like as a developer, like it's kind of like the idea of like tech debt or accessibility, you know, tech debt as far as like architectural tech debt and like accessibility debt or performance debt. Like if if you know what trade-offs you're making, you can prioritize the performance thing wins that are going to be most effective while you're doing the initial work and make sure that you're like mitigating it as you go as a part of like the story as a developer just as your personal responsibility another thing that i think you can do to sell it is to make a recording of the before and after of a performance improvement and then show that off because (laughs) people respond really well to when they say oh wow this page used to load in you know, wow, that feel that felt slow. Oh, this is how fast the page loads now. Wow, that feels faster. How do yeah. I get more of that feeling? <laughs> and also, yeah. like, you can take some of those metrics like that we were talking about before, like your first contentful paint time. And a lot of tools will record that as like uh, web health analytics. Like New Relic does it. Datadog does it. Or like PageSpeed Insights, you can graph those over time and see, you know, how is the aggregate performance of the website going? Like, how is the aggregate like bundle size changing over time? And if you can, if you have like a history of like gathering the information and looking at it as you're going, like you can kind of correlate that with other effects on the web page. Yeah, I imagine it's easier to, like you mentioned, Dave, to implement these things as you go rather than have to implement them after the fact. 
Yeah, and I think you can usually find somebody at a senior level in the organization who has had the experience of working on a product that got progressively slower as the years dragged on. And so you can usually scare them into action by showing them graphs that show, hey, guess what trajectory we're on? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're slowing down, baby. Oh, we're yeah. slowing down. I think that what I guess developer teams need to realize is that web performance is just as important as the features that are coming out, right? You want to make sure that the features that you're, all those carousels that you want to put on the website, whether it's actually going to get to the user in a way that it's an enjoyable experience and that it's fast so that, you know, I don't know if you you have a website about bikes and you can carousel your bike around, that's great, but it needs to be quick and fast so that the user can experience the website at the speed of thought. And I think that's like a really good way of thinking about how your application should run. We have the tools to talk about that was mentioned before. Any other parting words that people may have in terms of tooling or web performance? Yeah, I think in general, just uh, remember to have empathy for your users, you know, really think about that user experience and think about different kinds of user experience with different types of devices and bandwidths, et cetera. And I think that'll get you pretty far. So if you haven't taken a course on the tooling that'll make your website faster, please do that. I think I'm going to try and find one myself and I'll report back if anything. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.